0: Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this week's show on Friday, May 27th. Drew, this has to be a happy time for you. Top Gun Maverick, which was originally supposed to open in theaters three years ago. And finally, it's here, Jim. Are you going to go? I was just telling Nancy that Drew said I have to find the largest possible screen. Yes. And remember when you were talking about Projection X, the technology where they put the image on both sides of you. Yes. In addition to the screen in front yes. of you. Yes.
1: Our, our theme park uh, fans will notice. Will um, certainly remember this from the Kung Fu Panda attraction at Universal Studios Hollywood. Has a similar effect,
0: right? there we go. So there's 71 theaters around the country that are showing it that way. Likewise, I'm I'm literally looking for the largest IMAX in our area. This being the opening weekend, it's a little tough to get a ticket. In fact, did you see how well it did at its Thursday night preview screenings? What was it? 19 million.
1: I'm so happy because
0: so many people worked
1: so hard on this thing for so long that oh god, you yeah, know, it's yeah. it's gonna overperform. I saw I saw your number here that more than 140. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. it could go more, Jim. I think the word of mouth on this thing. I was actually just talking before we started recording with our buddy Josh Gad yeah. about how much mm-hmm. he loved it, and I think Josh's response is something that everyone's gonna have and everyone's gonna tell their families. Oh, you gotta go see it! So it's a very exciting time. I can't wait to hear your thoughts too, Jim.
0: I can't wait to hear what you and Charles are going to do on light. The fuselage. Yes. But remember when you have a success, that's this big at the box office, other films get thrown into eclipse and which brings us to the Bob's burgers movie, which (laughs) shares a release date with top gun Maverick. And, We were just talking about how hard the folks at Paramount and Tom Cruise's production company worked on getting Maverick going. In fact, it's important to note those first two delays in the film were actually because they conferred with Kennedy. And said, look, we need more time for the action sequences, which, by the way, that extra time clearly paid off with the finished film. On the other hand, with Bob's Burgers, it gets announced in October of of 2017. At that time, they announced, hey, we have a release date, three years out, uh, July of 2020. But two months later, the Walt Disney Company announces it's going to buy 21st Century Fox. The Bob's Burgers movie continues to chug along during the same period. I I heard they were a little nervous because the rumors were already beginning to circulate that Disney was going to actually shutter 20th Century Fox's animation arm, Blue Sky Studio that finally actually happens in february 2021 but at the same time given that the bob's burgers tv series gets renewed not just for one season but for two seasons in may of 2021 it's like look okay disney clearly likes bob's burgers and having a bob's burgers movie that it can then offer to disney plus subscribers along with the previous 12 seasons of the animated sitcom is bob's burgers on disney plus yes okay along with the simpsons okay but that said, it's still something of a roller coaster ride for the Bob's Burgers movies production team. First, with the pandemic, movie gets pushed back from July 17th, 2020 to April 21st. Uh oh, sorry, April 9th, 2021. Then in January, and I, I remember you your reaction to this, Drew. Uh January 2nd, 2020, Bob's Burgers movie is completely pulled off of the Disney theatrical release schedule. And that's the release schedule for what? 2021, 2022, 2023. Didn't they actually post dates out as far as like 2026?
1: Yeah. Even some of the, you know, they always have a Disney event film planned. For, there we go. There we
0: go. <laughs> Star Wars, Avatar, Star Wars, right, Avatar. Right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, it's 10 months before Bob's burger finally gets put back on the schedule in September of 2021. And they announced that it's going to the theaters Memorial Day weekend, 2022, and going head-to-head to top with Top Gun Maverick. And it also has Thursday night preview screenings, and they made $1.5 million to Top Gun Maverick's $19.3 million. So right now, the projection, Drew, is that Bob's Burgers, if it's lucky... Is going to come out of the long Memorial Day weekend with a North American box office total of 10 to 15 million dollars, which isn't to say it's a bad movie. I mean, in fact, it's got a freshest rating of 88% and an audience score of 96%, which is just three points off from what Top Gun Maverick got, a 99%. And in fact, this is the best reviewed. Movie of Tom Cruise's career?
1: That is true, although it's a Rotten Tomatoes thing, which I'm I'm not crazy about Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, think about how many more critics there are now than there were in, you know, the early 80s. So All true. You know, All true. but it, it's, it's a wonderful film. And and Bob's Burgers is great, too. But I will say at the Junket, you know, Kristen Shaw mm-hmm. kind of cornered me mm-hmm. and was like, how's Top Gun? And <laughs> you, you kind of have to go... Well, it's actually, you know, amazing. I'm sorry, but your movie is great too, you know? So, yeah, you know, it's tough.
0: It's tough. Okay. Well, again, Bob's Burgers, the movie, is walking into the buzzsaw that is Top Gun Maverick. And and previously on the show, Drew, we've talked about animated features that have faced the same situation. I mean, Treasure Planet back in November of 2022 with the Chamber of Secrets and then... Stephan John Anderson and Don Hall's Winnie the Pooh movie from July of 2011, which got clobbered by Deathly Hallows, part two. And again, Deathly Hallows made $160 million, $9 million over its opening weekend in North America, whereas Pooh made $7.8 Talk about walking something to the guillotine. Jesus. And that yeah. Winnie
1: the Pooh, as we've talked about before, mm. we love that movie.
0: Yes. It's amazing. Know. I can't leave the house and say I'll be back soon without Nancy going, the Baxson! <laughs> it's a great film. It, it It's a, better than it got the fact that the company used this as an excuse to basically shut down hand-drawn animation at Disney for more than a decade. But again, important to point out that when you were interviewing Eric Goldberg for the Disney Plus series sketchbook, he sort of intimated that, that hand-drawn is on its way back. yes.
1: It seems like it in some form or another. I mean, I don't think I don't think it'll be a feature, you know, the only, mm. the amount of trainees they hired, I think were 6. So I think there's a <laughs> finite amount of animation <laughs> no. that can be accomplished
0: with that many people. I think you may be onto <laughs> something there with that observation. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Winnie the Pooh, you did see that the AA Milne version of the character slipped into the public domain in January of this year and Did you see what we're getting as a direct result of that? A direct-to-video
1: direct result? Uh, Yes, I did see that.
0: (laughs) Okay, so what is the title again? It's Winnie the Pooh... Blood and Honey? Yes. By the way, this comes to us from the filmmaker who brought us Rise of the Loch Ness and NATO.
1: I know you have both of those on your shelf at home, Jim.
0: I do. Yeah. I do. Okay. What can I tell you? I'm, I, I have a man of, of limited taste. But anyway, it, uh, supposedly this is a slasher comedy featuring two guys dressed as Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, who then go on a killing spree.
1: No, I think they're actually supposed to be Winnie the Pooh and Piglet.
0: Oh, Because I
1: heard, I, I read a very ridiculous interview with, oh, maybe it is this variety one that you're citing, but he says, you know, that they like, you know, devolve into their animal states. And did you see the photo of like the woman with giant breasts in a, in a hot tub, in a bikini that they're kind of stalking?
0: I seem to have missed that. Yeah. You mentioned the interview in variety. This is Rise Waterfield, the director of the movie explained that the uh, the filmmakers had to take pains to avoid the Disney version of the character, which, by the way, is still protected under copyright law. So the bear of little brain, who is now carrying a very big knife, strictly based on the, the, the version found in the a. a. Milne book published in 1926. So here's the quote from the variety interview. We tried to be extremely careful we knew that there was this line between the A. A Milne material and what Disney had done and we knew what Disney's copyright entailed so we did as much as we could to make sure that our film was only based on the material found in the A, A. A. Milne book drew given your duties at the rap where you have to watch everything i'm going to leave it to you to uh, when we finally get Winnie the Pooh Blood and Thunder to to offer up your opinion i may sit this one out
1: uh, Yeah, I think I'm good on this one too. And I, you know, I okay. don't remember a uh, bikini clad uh, slasher movie victim in the original A.A. Milne book, but, you know, <laughs> I, maybe those pages were missing from, you know, I grew up in <laughs> yeah. Texas. Maybe they had kind of I'm... outlawed that book by the time I...
0: That could be... Yeah. Oh, forgot to mention our sponsor, and as always, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jimple Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Folks, before we get started here tonight, Drew brought up that there is news in regard to the Animation Guild, which has been in a protracted negotiation with the alliance of motion picture and television producers this this started back in november of last year right
1: yeah this is really the animation guild uh, stuff and also the um IOTC stuff has really taken this whole town by storm so many people mm-hmm. work in these fields and and so many mm-hmm. people put their livelihoods on the line for for wanting better wages and better you know treatment so mm-hmm. It seems like we've gotten a little bit further. I a mean,
0: little. Yeah. A little. I mean, here's what they revealed in the trades today, that more favorable terms when it comes to new media. When you think about where animation is today, whether it's on your phone or YouTube or wherever, the fact that the deals that were in place were, is that a television series? Is that a feature being released? Is that a short? And it's like, the old definitions didn't apply. So it's nice that now there's language this effect. Uh, likewise, we saw significant gains for animation writers. And it was making me crazy to hear about the writers who'd work on the animated sitcoms, com- the the rights they had versus the folks who work on traditional sitcoms. We saw some retroactive uh, wage gains, but we also saw Martin Luther King day finally becoming a paid holiday. Now, Ronald Reagan signed that holiday into law back in 1984, first got observed in January of 86, and before I bash the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers for kind of dragging their feet on this issue, folks, I live up in New Hampshire, and it took the state of New Hampshire till June of 2020 to recognize this national holiday, and not the Granite State's proudest moment. So yeah, producers' lines could have been a little faster there. They were 21 years behind New Hampshire. And then finally, the Guild going forward here promises to nail down terms for union-covered remote work, which obviously happened during the pandemic, but it was kind of this jury-rigged agreement, and they want some more formal language for the next pandemic. So of uh, course, great. Yeah. To be ready. And we got news about two brand new Scooby-Doo shows. We have Velma from Mindy Kaling. This is going to be an origin story for Velma Dinkley, the brains of Mystery Inc. Going to be an adult. Animated series, uh, so I expect more gore and dark humor than your usual Scooby-Doo. Did you see Kaling's comment about, in this show, Velma's going to be a South Asian? If people freak out about this, I don't care. And and honestly, good for her. Yeah. Did you see that image that they had put, I think? I did. The fact that they put the corpse with the empty skull in the foreground and the girl coming out of the shower, but it's center of the shot. Is Velma in all of her Southeast Asian glory?
1: Yes. It looks almost like the Harley Quinn show in terms of animation style.
0: I was thinking that. I was also thinking Venture Brothers.
1: Yes. Yes, for sure.
0: Either way, really looking forward to it. On the other hand, we have Scooby-Doo in the Mystery Pups, which is the first preschool version iteration of this franchise. Logline is, Scooby and Shaggy are counselors at a lakeside sleepaway camp where they will work to solve mysteries alongside three young camper pups.
1: Got to diversify that portfolio, Jim. You know, you got to go after every demographic. So
0: These shows are headed to HBO Max, and and you're right. But everybody in town is doing this. I mean, think about Paramount took SpongeBob and created Camp Coral. As well as a Patrick Starr show. So, you know, pretty much the same thing. Preschool, you know, and then a a version of the show headed for the adult animation market.
1: Well, did you see that they just announced at Star Wars Celebration, literally while you're putting this together, that Mm -hmm. there is a Star Wars um, preschool show coming to Disney Plus as well?
0: Oh, is this that pet daycare center? No, this is
1: called Young Jedi Adventures. Sorry. Set during the High Republic era. This original mm-hmm. series follows younglings as they study the ways of the Force and become Jedi. Compassion, <sighs> self-discipline, teamwork, patience, and friendship. Young Jedi mm-hmm. Adventures is coming to Disney Plus and Disney Junior in the spring of 2023. They also announced a new Lego Star Wars summer special mm-hmm. called Summer Vacation that is actually set aboard my favorite starship, the Halcyon. So Where Are you kidding me wow yeah
0: i always love these moments when the cradle to grave business plan <laughs> is walking yes, Holy yes. Cow. all right well so
1: if they weren't if the star cruiser wasn't booked before it will be go. booked now after lego star wars
0: and this is headed to Disney Plus. That's so headed to
1: Disney, Disney Plus in August and the the young adult show is or the uh, preschool show is headed in 2023.
0: Okay, well as long as we're talking about that streaming service, as of today, we are 3 weeks out from the release of Lightyear uh, to theaters.
1: Never heard of it. Never heard of it.
0: Still haven't opened a review copy of the the Art of Pictures uh, uh, Lightyear. Okay, good. But to promote the release of this Agnes McLean film, uh, Disney Plus will we make a new behind-the-scenes documentary, Beyond Infinity, Buzz and the Journey to Lightyear, available for viewing on June 10th, one week ahead of the theatrical release. Logline is, this documentary will explore the evolution of the character from Toy to Space Ranger, featuring interviews with the filmmakers, storytellers, artists, and members of the Lightyear voice cast. This special will recount how Buzz's original action figure design was realized, and how that look was translated years later to a human hero. Are they going to talk about how Buzz's face, at least for the toy, was based on John Lasseter's face? Ooh,
1: I hope not. Eh. I mean, did you watch the Turning Red documentary on Disney Plus? I have not yet. It's it's wonderful. It is absolutely okay. wonderful. And I think this is the same team that did that Turning Red doc, so I, I'm very excited about this.
0: My Mortal Day weekend is supposed to involve sitting down and watching... The first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I will tell you what, I'll use Turning Red as a palette cleanser. By the way, did we like Obi-Wan Kenobi, or...? Uh, it's okay.
1: It's not good. Okay! It's not... I, I, if I had to tell you if Red watched Stranger Things or Obi-Wan, no. I would say Stranger Things at this point.
0: Okay, Yes, yes. Alright, another thing I to get to. Final bit of news, and again, this, this gives you some idea of how weird the beat is now that Drew and I cover. Did you see the Seth Green story about he fell victim to a phishing scam back on, on May 8th? and Now, as a direct result, his new animated series, the one uh, White uh, Horse Tavern that he's doing at Stupid Buddy Studios, is in jeopardy because... The bored ape character that was supposed to star in the show, Fred Simeon, was among the NFTs that got hoovered out of uh, Seth's crypto wallet.
1: Jim, the, I, ca- I I cannot believe we've lived long enough for you to say that sentence. I mean...
0: <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I, I, we are literally on the outermost edge of intellectual property law here. In some of the coverage this week, it's the effect of there's a person out there who bought this board, ape uh, NFT, and they put down real money because they thought who they were buying it from was the legitimate owner. Clearly, it's stolen property, but at the same time, they're far enough along with Whitehorse Tavern. They actually showed the trailer just this past weekend in Minneapolis at the NFT VCon. Oh, Jesus. It's one of these things where it's like, Seth is in this weird spot now where it's like, I have a show. I have a crew working on the show. And suddenly, and I, I was operating on the, the idea that I owned this character. I could do what I want with this character. And it, until this gets resolved, the show is suddenly in this gray area. Uh, strange, strange, strange times, folks. By the way, we were just talking about Buzz Lightyear. Uh, when you and I get back from the break, we're going to talk about
1: Jim, I just wanted to tell you that now we're back. I wanted to tell you that I keep all my NFTs under my bed, under my mattress, <laughs> like like you should, you know. And so I just know no one's going to come in and steal my characters.
0: I have never felt older in my entire life. <laughs> I feel like I'm the guy at the end of the driveway now who barter's for goods with chickens. All right. Anyway, uh, before we get started here the Buzz Lightyear stuff, Drew, you had uh, two stories you wanted to share. First of all. J.J. Abrams circling back on Speed Racer.
1: Yes, he had written a screenplay. I have The one I have is from 1994 mm-hmm. for a live-action Speed Racer movie, and now he is apparently doing a new live-action Speed Racer show with some of the people that made the great uh, Perry Mason uh, show on HBO recently. No! Yeah.
0: I loved that. Yeah, me too. Gonna...
1: I thought it was great.
0: Speaking of which, where is season two
1: of that? It's coming. It's coming. OK, but um, he's doing it with those guys for Apple TV Plus, which mm-hmm. is very interesting considering his astronomical deal with with Warner Media that hasn't really gone anywhere. So I think that's mm-hmm. maybe something we should keep an eye on. And um, yeah, so it's coming. It's coming soon. So I'm excited. Go speed, Racer, or go is what I said. <laughs> Chim Chim is. I don't know if Chim Chim will make the cut. Although he was in the movie, so anything could happen.
0: There he was. Yeah, he was. Okay, and also we have some news about Sylvain Chomet, right?
1: Yes, he the third feature. They're calling it kind of a loose trilogy. I don't know if you saw that, Jim, in the in the press release. I did not. Oh, but okay. um, yeah. So he is the genius behind the illusionist and the triplets of Belleville. And his new one is called the magnificent life of Marcel Pagnol, And it'll be, Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be ready by 2024, but Sony has picked up the rights uh, for, you know, domestic distribution. So hopefully that'll be a nice DVD box set at some point. Mm -hmm. Can't wait.
0: Cool. Cool. Okay. So I don't know if you've seen the rumor. The Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin in California is called Astro Blaster. There's a rumor that's making the rounds that basically says, based on how Lightyear does at the box office, uh, we may see the Imagineers revisit this attraction with the idea of sort of rethinking it around the version of the character that we get to meet in this Agnes McClain film, the one that will be voiced by Chris Evans. And I I apologize, but we're going to use this as an excuse to talk about Toy Story in the parks, in particular Buzz Lightyear in the parks. Obviously we start November of 1995 with the original Toy Story opening in theaters, I went to the AMC Pleasure Island uh, with my good friend, Zane Yench, and my then wife, Michelle. And we saw uh, the Toy Story movie and then got in the car and drove over to Disney MGM in time to catch the very first performance of the Toy Story parade. On the other hand, the Toy Story Pizza Planet restaurant, which went into the building that had been built in at Muppet studios for the Swedish chef's television cooking school. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it still breaks my heart. Yeah. But that, well, I mean, it eventually became a, a, a Muppet based thing. That's where pizza Rizza is today. But, but yeah, that restaurant didn't open until three weeks later, uh, December 15th, 1995. At the same time, We began to see Buzz in the parks as a walk-around character, and I don't understand how the person can actually walk around in that thing. It was 70 pounds of hard, molded plastic, and the poor bastards would go backstage. In fact, the cast members who played Buzz... A lot of them develop back problems just off of the weight of this costume. And, and very early on, they began to revisit and redesign the Buzz outfit to try to make it easier for a human being to wear uh, because people were demanding to, to see this character. Meanwhile, out in California to make Toy Story special, particularly for the L.A. market, this is where we got the Toy Story Funhouse.
1: I've seen so many photos of this. I so wish I could have gone
0: it was kind of crazy. It was in that building next to the El Cap, which eventually became where Jimmy Kimmel does his show now. Very short-lived, only ran from November uh, 22nd, 1995, through January 1st, 1996. At this point, Toy Story is a huge hit. Disney just doesn't want this stuff to go into the warehouse, so they throw it in trucks and drive it down to Anaheim, and they end up setting up portions of the Toy Story Funhouse from the LCAP inside of the Space Place Restaurant, uh, which had been shuttered. Likewise, the the Mission to Mars show building, hugely popular, runs through May, could have run through the entire summer, but the Imagineers are like, no, no, you have to take that out of there. We're getting ready to build the new, new Tomorrowland, which would open in 98, spring of 98.
1: Well, sort of, yeah.
0: Sort of, sort (laughs) of. But Disney's looking at this and it's like, ooh, you know, we really want to keep this going. So they had just bought ABC the previous year. So they're looking to make Saturday morning that much more special. And what do you do to make that that much more special? You create the Toy Story Treats interstitials. They made 52 of these things. I think they wound up on... The Toy Story Laser Disc. Have you ever seen any of these? Or? Yeah, they were also in that
1: DVD box set that had that kind of silver case. There we go. Do you remember that? There that, we was go. Just, that was yeah. the, the first two movies, yeah.
0: But Pixar was involved with the animation, but they were being written by Bob Schooley and Mark McCorkle.
1: Yeah, it was stuff like the army guys going, we got to get back to this place. There's going to be a show that starts, or something like that. <laughs> it, yeah, it would yeah. just be, you know... I think it was like ten to probably twenty seconds each of these that little you, things, right?
0: Yes, you know it's great to see the characters again, but it's kind of weird to see them used in this way. Yeah, clearly there's interest in bringing this character into the park, which then brings us to the Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin attraction, which opens to the Magic Kingdom in uh, the fall of 1998. It was made as cheaply as it could possibly be made, and what I mean by that. Is they went into the building. This was where Delta Dream Flight had been. Oh yeah, Kate I was Flight a big Delta Dream
1: Flight guy. So when that that ride opened, I was like, okay, I know where this is. I know where we're supposed to be oh, here. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that they they left the Omni Mover in place. They retrofitted the laser powered guns and these things, and it was a hit right out of the box. And and only got more popular the next year when Toy Story Two. Opened in theaters. Then we get an interesting expansion of the Toy Story franchise. We get the Buzz Lightyear of Star Command animated series. They had that home premiere, right? The Adventure Begins.
1: Yes, which also had animation by Pixar at the beginning.
0: That is it. That is it. did. Yeah. That comes out in August of 2020. The series drops in October of that same year. I want to say there's four seasons of the show. Want to point out here, because it's been a very big deal about, oh my God, Chris Evans is voicing Buzz Lightyear and why didn't they get Tim Allen? And it's like, not the first time they did this. It was Patrick Warburton, right? Who who did it for the animated series? To double back, note to Space Ranger, since been again uh, up and running the park since the fall of '98, hugely popular. Other theme parks around the world begin to notice. So, Tokyo wants its own version. So, Astro Blaster opens at that park in April of 2004. The Disneyland version opens in March of 2005, just in time for that park's 50th anniversary. Weird side note on this story, though, Drew, do you remember when you go into Disneyland and as you're walking by Tomorrowland headed to the Matterhorn, there was Triton's Garden? Yes. Okay. And then next to that was a Little Mermaid meet and greet. Yes. There was for a time, and in fact, was Imagineer Bruce Gordon who was trying to get this off the ground. There had been this Little Mermaid ride that Disney had had in development since 92 for Disneyland Paris. In fact, they showed it on the TV special for the opening of their park.
1: Love that special. Don Johnson just did a great job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am reading off of the cue card. Okay. But yeah, Bruce wanted to put a Little Mermaid ride into Disneyland. And what he was proposing was what if, you know, I realized that the building that the Circle Vision is in, is in Tomorrowland, but the back of the building faces the Matterhorn. The back of the building, if we move the entrance down toward the sub-lagoon, you know, it's it's facing water. So, and we already have Triton's garden in the front of the building facing into the hub. We also have our little mermaid meet greet. So why don't we do a teeny tiny little mermaid land? It will shove the mermaid ride into the old Circle Vision building, and then just make the entrance facing out toward the Matterhorn or facing toward the Subs Lagoon, was so this, we can still the Tony time.
1: Baxter version.
0: No, this this was at this point uh, because remember the Tony Baxter version was like. Peter Pan. Yes. It hung from above. Yeah. This was Omnimovers. Okay. You know, in fact, the people who finally did Buzz were like, thank you, Bruce, for proving that we could shoehorn an Omnimover <laughs> into this building. And we're just going to take your track outlay and, and, and use it for Buzz. But all right. So, anyway, that Disneyland open version opens March 2005. Hong Kong version opens September of that same year. That, by the way, is the first one to close. Closed in August of, of 2017 to make way for Ant Man and the Wasp Nano Battle. Shut left it alone have you seen those videos of the the ride through oof you gotta remember you got your your iron man adventure right next door to it i mean this was all supposed to be the stark expo and then behind it this was where the giant e-ticket the battle for wakanda was supposed to be built you can still find that concept art Out there of, you know, you've got in in the lower left-hand corner of the image, you've got the Iron Man Adventure, the Nano Battle, and then the giant show building for Battle of Wakanda with the the Quinjets parked outside. And I mean, it it looks killer, but those two chunks were built to sort of set the stage for Battle of Wakanda, which I I don't know if you and I will live long enough to see that. I was
1: going to say, I don't think I will see it in my lifetime. It's so funny too when you look at all the meet and greets and stuff at Avengers Campus and all the characters are angled the wrong way on that little walkway on that building <laughs> because it's like, nobody was supposed to be up there. No, this is no, just no. a Band-Aid no. on a big old hole in this. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe another management team will do this in a different yes, way.
1: Yes, you'd think that if they were going to build it, they would have moved the red car trolley switch back. Back there,
0: but Uh, there it stands,
1: Jim. It's it's odd, but anyway.
0: Moving on, we got the Disneyland Paris version of Astro Blaster in April of 2006, and then then we start to get the Toy Story uh, Midway Manias, Mm -hmm. uh, another uh, shooter. The first uh, opens at Disney Studios in May of 2008. That exact same month is when Toy Story, the musical, debuts on the Disney Wonder, and I I don't know if you remember, there was that period where this was supposed to come in as the replacement for Aladdin, the musical spectacular at DCA, only to then, you know, it's like Frozen suddenly became disney's giant hit and you know that jumped the queue and got in there ahead of toy story the musical the dca version of midway mania opens in june of 2008 and shortly after that we get the toy story three feature film and then the exact same month that toy story three opens at theaters we get toy story land opening at disney studios park in paris and then, year after that, we get a Toy Story Land at Hong Kong Disneyland. In November 2011, Tokyo Disney sees, because it sees how well Toy Story Midway Mania is doing in the States. It gets its own version of that ride, July of 2012.
1: That facade is so cool for the Tokyo it Sea is,
0: It's a little disturbing. Yes, I, I don't yes, know if it's I, a
1: little... <laughs> It's a little it, uh, Stephen King's yeah. it, yeah, but... Um, Very,
0: okay, there we go. It, no, That's a great reference. Yeah. Okay, yes. Walking straight into Woody's mouth. Yes.
1: <laughs> the uh, unintended Nightmare Alley ride that they had, <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. October
0: 2013, we get our first Toy Story TV special. Uh, that's a Toy Story of Terror, where we, we get to meet Carmat Carl, who... Is voiced by Carl Weathers. Yes.
1: Well, we've seen Combat Carl get a you know get dynamited in the first um, Toy Story, but we we didn't get did. to talk to him. He was a we casualty did.
0: of Sid. <laughs> and again, you know, only called Combat Carl because, of course, just like Barbie, when Disney went to Hasbro and said, "Hey, can we have GI Joe for a Toy Story movie?" and we're gonna blow him up. It's like, nope, thank you, no. Nope.
1: Yeah great special though directed by Angus who's directing Lightyear so it's all isn't that cool it's yeah all no no coming no around
0: yeah by the way the very next year we got the first toy story holiday special we got the toy story the time forgot uh, meanwhile again toy story midway mania is so popular at walt disney worlds uh, hollywood studios they actually add a third track and at this point the t- three sound stages that they had built at, at huge expense. Back when the studios first opened in May of 89, it's gone. At this point, all the space has been used. They, they couldn't shoot something there if they, you held a gun to their head.
1: That ride has had so many reconfigurations of entrances and exits. and
0: Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm not a fan of facing into Toy Story Land yeah. version that exists today. I, I'm one of the folks who actually misses Pixar Place. I mean, largely because, again, they, the crazy attention to detail where they matched the brick yep. of the Emeryville campus. Yeah, that was so cool. It was cool. So anyway, continuing on on the world domination here, we get a Toy Story Land opening at Shanghai Disneyland in April of 2018. Uh, Likewise, we finally get a Toy Story Land opening at Disney Hollywood Studios full-blown in June of that same year. Toy Story 4 finally opens in theaters of June of the following year. And then we get our Toy Story Hotel at the Tokyo Disney Resort, which opens in April of this year. And that very same month, we learn about this redo of the Paradise Pier Hotel, which is now going to be rethemed around the Pixar characters. And right now, what happens next with Buzz in the parks really does depend on how Lightyear does going forward here. What do you think the odds are, Drew, of them potentially stepping in and redoing the Astro Blaster or Space Ranger Spin with the, the Chris Evans version of Buzz.
1: Well, I mean, it. I think it would be a lot tougher than people think, especially with that full-scale animatronic in the queue. But, I mean, I would love to see it. I mean, this Lightyear looks so wonderful. I've already talked—I've seen the first 30 minutes. I loved it. But, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of variables. And also— Is this a new franchise? Is this a one-off? Like, what are we thinking about? Is there going to be a light year two immediately around the corner? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see what the plans are. I'm so tired of these Toy Story hotels, though. Cannot believe Paradise Pier is becoming Pixar, whatever.
0: We got our first Toy Story movie in uh, November of 1995. So we are 27 years at this point into this franchise. And there are people who, who have grown up who now have kids of their own who love these characters. So it's like, ooh, I get to go stay at the Pixar Hotel. I'm going to, ooh, I get to go hang out with Buzz and Woody. And- Insane.
1: Insane, Jim.
0: I know. Someone I on know.
1: Twitter described
0: Toy Story as
1: like theme park gonorrhea. Like it just spreads <laughs> everywhere. And- <laughs> so I thought-, I thought that was fun. Well, you
0: know you know. now they're going to put that in-, in the brochure. Yes, <laughs> yeah,
1: that'll be in the guidebook. There we yeah. go.
0: It's like, okay, well, on that rather graphic note, <laughs> we mentioned at the, the top of the show uh, quite a bit about Top Gun Maverick. But again, if you really want to be in the know about this Tom Cruise film, which, again, just got the best reviews of that guy's career, you have to be listening to Drew's Light the Fuse podcast, especially the Light the fuselage yes. we lodge episodes.
1: We're in it. We're in it, Jimmy. We, we just put up our Joseph Kaczynski interview which was really great. And we've got Greg Tarzan Davis who plays coyote call sign coyote in the movie he'll be on next week. Then we're doing a three-parter with Eddie Hamilton. Who's the editor of this thing. We're talking to all sorts of people uh, involved with Top Gun Maverick. And honestly, we could do 200 episodes just on Top Gun Maverick. It's that good. And
0: we're having the time of our lives. So come please. Killer, killer, killer. Please follow uh, Mr. Taylor's advice. If you're going to go out and see Top Gun Maverick, find a big screen. Mm By the way, we do have a few other podcasts here as well. We got Disney Dish that I do with Lentesto. We got uh, Marvelous Disney, which I do with Aaron Adams. Then, of course, we have Looking at Lucasfilm, and and poor Brian Gahn is at the Anaheim Convention Center fighting the crowds, getting us some new Star Wars-related stories. Uh, Drew, as always, very enjoyable following you on social media. Can you tell the nice folks where they can find you? Sure, Drew Tailored,
1: like a tailored shirt on Instagram and Twitter. Come hang out.
0: Very much worth it, folks. On, on the other hand, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. And I guess that's going to do it for this week. Uh, on behalf of Mr. Taylor and myself, we hope you all had a, a very enjoyable Memorial Day weekend, and we'll be back next week.